Welcome back to the Want to Know Pod. I'm Seth Engel. I'm Zach Allen. And we are a week removed from a big media availability in State College where we finally got to talk to Franklin and, you know, actually the whole assistant coaching staff as well, which was really interesting. And that day, right after we left the facilities, the whole Big Ten world kind of blew up in our face with the scheduling release for 2024 and 2025 and you know an NIL merger with two of Penn State's biggest collectives so we're gonna talk all about that talk about what we heard about at the avails and uh yeah so Zach how was your trip out to uh to Pittsburgh last week yeah I mean it, it was at the time when all the, the air quality stuff was going around. And as I kept nearing State College, you could see more and more fog, which, you know, it was just smoke. So I, I had the windows closed up, but it was only like two and a half hours. You know, went there, went back. It was great. It was worth it to talk to all of these assistant coaches, Franklin, everybody. It was, it was, it was very worth it. How, the real question is, how's your nine-hour drive? from Chicago and then back that must have been brutal yeah it was something you know you put on a podcast you play some music you sing along you just go through these whole discographies and then you're kind of just there it was definitely a humbling experience but it was also worth it Um, it absolutely worth it like it's refreshing the fact we hadn't talked to any coaches since April since the blue white game and yeah. It was nice to be back out there again and, and you know, having you know, as much access as we had that day with a bunch of coaches, I think was really nice. But let's talk takeaways. I, I think that Franklin went over a lot there. There's changes coming, obviously. Transfers have come in. Um, so there was a lot of focus around Dante Cephas, the coveted transfer from, from Kent State. Um, Audavian Collins, who's a corner they just brought in from Mississippi State. Um, and uh, the Old Dominion defensive tackle, Hanzo Ford Jr. Yeah, so they've done some some recent work in the transfer portal, and they've you know pulled some guys in, and now they're officially on campus after you know all this time. So I know you talked pretty extensively with Marcus Hagens. What are you you know picking up? I guess early on from CFIS, what are they saying about his testing numbers? Yeah, I mean. I feel like a lot of it, I talked to Mike, Mike Gearsich too, and I, I, they haven't seen a lot from a practice standpoint. It's kind of just been individual drills from what I could gather, but most of their tests and where he's kind of fit in has been, you know, his personality, his work ethic, his experience. They're all very excited about. Um, I know all the coaches were saying his personality kind of meshes within the room already, and it's only been what well, a few weeks he has some friends that go that already are on the team um and they haven't started summer practices yet so i'm sure they'll be able to reveal a lot more when those start and kind of actually see his skill set in action rather than just on on tape um but it's been all good things i know they've kind of been vague they've been like he tests well um that's about all all they answered about that they weren't like specific numbers always he made this catch he knows how to do this already it's kind of just off the field stuff and you know most on the field it's just been like individual drills that 
the coaches have seen him do. Yeah, I mean, there's only there's only so much you can say, especially considering they haven't started, you know, one v ones yet. Like he hasn't really been paired up with a Big Ten caliber cornerback, um, at least in practice. Yeah. So I guess time will will tell there. Um, yeah, another uh, thing Hagen thing Hagen's was talking about was Keandre Lambert Smith in the slot. They said, or he said, um, you know, he's looking good. The transitions kind of already happening and there shouldn't really be any any setbacks or anything like that so i i think we'll see a lot more of a big play dre as he calls himself um in the slot maybe okay interesting kind of like parker washington a little bit last year i don't don't know so because when you think of like a number one receiver and it seems like they've kind of been just giving him that title since you know spring practice kind of kicked off he's not necessarily going to be one of those guys out wide he'll be more you know slot oriented that's what you're saying Mm -hmm. yeah and I think I mean he didn't say why but I think you know the emergence of Trey Wallace has kind of really helped that Trey when he came in last season he'd be out wide go deep he obviously we've seen this off season has a crazy vertical jump. Right. Um, so I think paired with Cephas also, who was largely sideline the sideline deep threat at Kent state. Um, I think Keandre kind of fits more in the slot with the, the roster. If, if Cephas does fill in as the number three, which given he's a two-time all Mac receiver, I think, is kind of a reasonable assumption, but we've also seen Amari Evans and other guys like that kind of step up. But yeah, maybe some more Keandre in the slot this season. Yeah, exactly. And then we also can't rule out potentially two tight ends starting. Um, And Franklin keeps reminding, you know, everyone of that, like that personnel is definitely an option, um, especially considering, you know, Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren, when you look at the grand scheme of things, are two of the most experienced receivers receivers that they have, you know, on roster. So you can't necessarily rule out both of them starting. Obviously, we'll see what happens with Theo Johnson, whether he ends up, you know, starting the season suspended um, due to his uh, two misdemeanors currently in the works. So we'll, uh, we'll see about that. Moving forward, another transfer. I want to talk about Alonzo Ford and specifically that defensive tackle room, because Franklin made it a point of emphasis that this is the position he's most excited for is is defensive tackle, which is really interesting considering, you know, seven months ago we were in the big house press room after that, you know, demoralizing loss to the Wolverines. And Franklin is, you know, basically saying he doesn't have size in the trenches. Um, that's what you need size in the trenches in order to compete, you know, against the top teams in the big 10. Now, you know, it seems like the, the narrative has kind of flipped. So, you know, what, what you kind of take away from that whole spiel? Yeah. I mean, I think at one point you said the defensive tackle position could like change the defense or yeah, something. Along you said, it, you said it was, uh, it could bring the bring them to a new next level. level. Yeah, next yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. 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 Which again, is really weird. I mean, I guess they've been hitting the weight room, kind of hitting Chipotle a lot more in the offseason. He said 
Akeem Beeman was as big as he's ever been, but you know, he hasn't lost that explosiveness. Um, Zane Durant, who's been making a name for himself all off season, Franklin mentioned again, but I think the big name that Franklin really kind of stressed was Devon Ellie's um, kind of what, what's the word? Evolvement into a, a talented, you know, capable defensive tackle in the trenches that can kind of hold his own against these teams like Michigan, these run heavy teams, Illinois is going to be another one um, this season. Um, and so I think we're, we're in for a, a much different season um, from the defensive tackle position for Penn State football. We all know what the defensive ends can do. We know that room is arguably the deepest on the team. Um, but now you have these guys paired with Alonzo Ford now that can all do it because I is also. Um, there's just there's probably like five five defensive tackles that could slot in at any moment and that are all kind of maybe on the same position on the depth chart. Um, some are probably ahead of others, but I, I think it's exciting um, for Penn State's coaching staff and for Penn State's fan base after watching what Michigan, you know, did to Penn State on the ground last year. Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned that depth chart. I think it's pretty safe to say that we know who those, you know, starting DTs are going to be when it comes to week one. Um, Devon Ellis should absolutely slot right into that PJ Mustafer anchor of the D line type of role. And right next to him, I mean, no question, Hakeem Beeman, you know, deserves to get that starting spot back. Franklin said that, you know, he has a chance to be one of the best D linemen in the country. Um, and that was a guy that we always kind of thought, you know, he's a little undersized. He's built more like a defensive end and he's playing inside. You know, let's see how it works out. Apparently he's, you know, put on some size and uh, Beeman's apparently in for a pretty big year this year. So time will tell. Obviously they have the depth as well. Um, I want to fast forward a little bit here because this is big. We left we left the lash building and I think maybe an hour later the schedule came out and it took the world by storm. Um, our niche little college football world, but this is going to be crazy. I mean, this is, these are changes. Uh, the big 10 is now feeding into the rest of the power five and abandoned abandoning divisions, which they should have done a long time ago considering that a, you know, a Big Ten West team hasn't won a conference championship in over a decade. But now we're finally here. USC, UCLA are joining the Big Ten, as we know. Now we're starting to see where some of these, you know, games are going to be played. USC is coming to, coming to Happy Valley in 24. That's, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a big one. On top of that, it's just it's just it's going to be weird. I mean, you look at the schedule and Penn State does not play Michigan in 2024 and then 2025, they don't play Ohio State. Um, so this that what's this mean for the whiteout, too? I just thought of that. Like it was always Ohio State, the Michigan when the other would come to town. Barring the last that's already, that's already changed in the past couple of years. Anyway, Yeah, I, I was going to say barring the couple previous seasons with the broadcast stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be weird seeing Penn state play USC outside of a bowl game. Um, 
and part of those, part of their conference record. I mean, USC comes to town 2024, and then it's uh, UCLA in State College in 2025, and then Penn State travels to USC in 2025. Um, and, you know, we kind of talked about, uh, we, we talked to um, Neely Thursday, I think, and he kind of talked about they don't really know you know, the challenges yet of potentially traveling all the way to California on, on an away game and then coming back the next week for a home game. Um, obviously, that was like a few hours before they released the schedule. Um, so it, it, there's going to be some, it, it's, a, it, it's a big change. We've already seen big changes the last couple of years, but I think this, this is up there with, you know, any of them that we've seen. Yeah. We really are living in this kind of college football revolution right now. Um, yeah. And I feel like there are a good amount of people who are like, oh, this is this is so annoying, like all these changes. Like, why can't they just like play, keep it the same way? Um, but this is like super exciting, if I'm being completely honest. This is yeah. like change is good. I mean, this is this is uh, a breakthrough. And, you know, I think in the future at a certain point, we'll start talking about more of these changes that come, you know, potentially, you know, these big mergers where it ends up like two leagues where it's one big conference up North and one big one down South there, you know, a little mix in between. Um, but there's a lot happening and it's really cool. Soon after that press conference as well was the merger of success with honor and Lions legacy club, two of Penn state's NIL collectives and, we all know James Franklin and Penn State football has been catching up in terms of NIL um, the last two seasons or so. Um, that's he's always said that, and you know they're making moves now. I mean, Lions Legacy Club was obviously just the the football NIL collective. Successful Honor had sponsored all thirty one varsity teams, and so now they merge together. There's we don't know what they're going to be up to exactly um, yet, just that they've they've merged together. Um, but I, I don't know what your takeaway was on that. Yeah, the way that I saw it, and this is the kind of the way I saw it all along, um, was that you can't have two competing NIL collectives. It's just not going to work out. Yeah. Um, if you're Penn State, like you, that's not what you want at all. Um, I think in the world of, of college athletics alignment and maybe even the key to any sports franchise or sports, you know, league is alignment all across the board. That's just the number one way to get things done. And if Franklin talks about alignment a lot from a different, you know, multiple different standpoints, whether it's, you know, alignment among conferences in the NCAA or alignment between, you know, his coaching staff and the athletic department, um, when it comes to NIL, I mean, it can't be a competition. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, NIL collectives are there to help market athletes and give them brand sponsorships or whatever. And in turn, hopefully, you know, their success in pumping out, you know, certain sponsorships and marketing deals will then look good in, in recruiting and, 
you know, bring in more talented athletes. So the fact that they're merging is great. Success with Honor and Lions Legacy Club are very different. Um, Success with Honor was more of that OG kind of. Um, up by Penn State. Yeah, like like Penn, Penn State was trying to be like, I don't know, really like ethical about NIL in the beginning. They were trying yeah. to teach them how to be entrepreneurs and, and they were really keen on education and, and teaching, you know, athletes what to do with their money, which is good. And I think that's still, you know, an important issue that should but, be told. But that was like their main thing. Yeah, Lions, it can't be club, the main thing. Right. Lions comes in and, you know, that's, that's a that's a collective that uh, was football exclusive. They weren't doing all 31 sports. And it was more similar to what the SEC had already been doing for like a year or two. Yeah. So, I mean, their CEO was football. They're just football all the way through. And it's like it's like what my parents told me about parenting. You got to be a unified front. And exactly uh, now Penn State's NIL world is is unified. Yeah, I mean, the moment I saw, I don't know if you remember back in April, but West Shore Home, um, you know, had that yeah. seven-figure deal um, where we start, like, I, I think that was the first time we had finally heard numbers as it relates to, yeah. like, finances coming in. Like, what does Penn State's NIL situation look like? Like, how much money are we really talking here that could actually help these students? Um, so. I mean, that's that's Lions Legacy Club. I think that the fact that they like lock up that deal um, tells you a lot about where they are and then why we hadn't really heard anything of the sort from Success with Honor. So yeah. it's a good thing for Penn State. I think that it's a very good thing. I think the program's in a good spot. Like I we've talked about this a lot. It's just I mean, they're they're doing things that I think the good programs in the country should be doing like that's basically the bottom line yeah, um, I mean, talk about nil you can also talk about you know staff size increases um penn state just hired bob palco who's a you know a western pennsylvania coaching legend um added him to their it created a new position for him to come in and, and recruit so i mean they're doing what they have to do Patcraft is giving them the resources and the time. Um, and that's really, you know, what it takes to be successful in college football is, is investment. Yeah. And then, I mean, kind of going off of staff size and the analysts, they brought in three analysts for all three facets of the game. Um, you know, Ola Adams had NFL coaching experience and now he's, now he's an analyst for Penn state and, I think Franklin's just really making an effort and Pat Kraft too. This all probably starts with Pat Kraft to get really get give this program the resources to go out and, and get a national championship. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you talk about staff size, you talk about analysts. The thing that's cool about the support staffs is that they all kind of intertwine in a way when it comes to recruiting. You know, maybe some of these analysts are more um, focused on on an on-field result. Um, they have more of a say when it comes to to the playbook and uh, practices and preparation. 
But at the same time, like that's just another connection you have on your board. That's another connection that knows someone else from another school in another state that maybe the position coach who's going to be the primary recruiter doesn't know. So, I mean, when you add all these analysts and these recruiting staffers from all these different parts of the country, like you're really opening up to the entire country. They're a whole recruiting board. Um, That's why, you know, for more or less, like Penn State has been able to recruit an Alabama in like very successfully in Virginia and dipping into Georgia, like Florida, they already have three commits for, for 2024. Like, I mean, these are places they haven't really hit consistently before. And now we're starting to see that kind of happen. Yeah. So, and, and even in Pennsylvania, I mean, Bob Palco now, James Franklin's whole thing is best in PA, stay in PA. Um, and I think adding him just really, really even adds to that more. Yeah. I mean, you build a core, right? So you, you see the, the core coaching staff. Most of the guys are pretty local. Um, if you look at, you know, the position coaches, most of them are from the Northeast area. Um, obviously, a couple exceptions, but like that's your core base. And then you can kind of build guys around them from different areas and like really branch out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's how you that's what Ohio State has been doing for you know, how many years dipping into Texas and, you know, all these Southern states. That's what Penn State's been missing on the recruiting front. And now we're starting to see that come through because they're just adding staffers. They're completely building on their football program. Mm-hmm. Taking this Rose Bowl win and they're completely building on it, which Franklin, you know, I said before, like he didn't think that Penn State did enough after they went to the Rose Bowl against USC in, in 2016. Like there wasn't enough done to invest. And now, you know, it, it looks like Pat Kraft is, is uh, not trying to make that same mistake. So. Yeah, not at all. Um, yeah. I think that's. Uh, that's think about all. Yeah. Everything that's, that's happened the last what, week or so. Yeah. I'm trying to see what comes next. So we got big 10 media day in July. Um, but until then, you know, there's going to be just commitments coming in. We see this yeah. every year. The official visits, they flow in in June. Maybe you get a couple, you know, right after the visit weekend. And then come July, it's, you know, it could get crazy. Yeah. I just so. feel like all this stuff happens on the most random days. Like there's that yeah. Sunday, three commitments drop. We're like, what, what's going on and then? You know, we know we have this assistant coach thing we go to and then the schedule drops and then NIL mergers. And it's just like, it's like spurts of just <laughs> action. Yeah. You got to keep your push notifications on all times. Yeah, that's, I already do. That's a message to all the, all, all the one to know followers out there. Turn on, I have like probably over a hundred push notifications. Get out there, get, get on Twitter. Got to do it. Put one right. no pod on push notifications first, though. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's it for us. Um, follow us at one and no pod on Twitter. Um, and then what is it? PSUcollegian.com now? Is that our – that's our web – that's our domain now? I keep forgetting. Yeah, PSUcollegian.com. Yeah, it is. We switched our domain a couple weeks ago, so don't 
don't go to the old one go to the new one read our stuff we you know we have way more coverage coming out we have a ton of coverage from this past avail um so make sure to check that out and uh keep following along